This is AJ Bingham, CEO of The Bingham Group. I want to give a personal thank you to the Lowy Law Firm for their podcast sponsorship. The Lowy Law Firm is the premier personal injury law firm in Austin, having recovered tens of millions of dollars for their clients since 2005. Now on with the show. Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. Today's episode is brought to you by the Lowy Law Firm, delivering top-notch customer service in the Austin area. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham, CEO of the Bingham Group. Our guest today is BG advisor Andy Cates, our resident ethics expert. Welcome to the show, Andy. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you back. Today, we're going to be talking about dark money. Uh, For those who've been following uh, news in the Austin American Statesman and Austin Monitor, this issue has come up in particular relation to Proposition K, which is a measure that would require the city to hire an outside firm to do an efficiency study of the city's operations and finances. Now, the city already has an internal auditing office and uses out- outside auditors as well. This measure would call for a brand new audit done by someone the city does not currently work currently work with. Now, the issue here is that um, it's tied to the group that's putting forth the um, the petition to put this be- uh, measure on the November ballot and whether or not they've taken dark money. And so with that, I want to let Andy go into more detail on what dark money is and how it relates to the city of Austin um, and also the state. Sure. So. Uh, dark money is a fairly nebulous term, uh, but one that has taken up a lot of uh, time and and uh, legislative prowess in trying to define over the last really about decade or so since uh, the Citizens United decision at the Supreme Court level. Um, what was that decision, just in a nutshell? That was the one that that allowed that basically said that corporations are people. They have a First Amendment right to engage in the political process, and that that's what allowed the idea of uh, doing independent expenditures and campaigns, um, pretty much throughout uh, federal, state, and local law. Actual money changing hands contributions, uh, even in kind contributions from corporations to candidates, is still illegal in Texas. It's still a felony. Um, but that decision really opened the door for corporations, as long as they're not coordinating with any kind of uh, with any candidates, to go ahead and you know buy ad space, buy a TV ad, buy a radio ad, um, w- not in connection with the campaign, but supporting or opposing somebody. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of the dark money side of it, because uh, most of these people don't have to report anything to the FEC, the Texas Ethics Commission, or to uh, to the city. And really, the dark money uh, prohibition, dark money ordinance here in the city came about during the last election cycle, uh, around 2016, I believe, uh, when, if you'll remember, there was a, a group of ads that came in that attacked um, Mayor Adler. Mm-hmm. And when people started really looking into it, it turns out that it came from some outside group from like North Carolina or something, somewhere from the East Coast. Um, and it, it took a lot of in, investigative journalism to figure out where all this stuff came from and, and, and all that because there wasn't anything on the books that required any kind of disclosure to the city when uh, any of these groups engage in the political process. So that's so, really how it came about. Yeah, it was a concern too. I mean, broadly, at least in that election, if I recall, it was 
the degree that outside out, outside groups um, being outside the city of Austin could influence local races. Right. Yeah, and, and there's, there's uh, if anybody cares to look it up, it's uh, 2-2, uh, Article 4 of the... Uh, of the code of ordinances within the uh, within the city, uh, this is the whole it's, you know three or four different sets of sets of codes here that talk about direct campaign expenditures. That's the term of art uh, that the state and the city attach to these kind of corporate direct uh, ad buys or you know political engagements. Um, it's basically the exact same thing as what are called independent expenditures at the federal level. Mm-hmm. So um, all of these codes came into being in around 2016. They came effective in early 2017. And um, it starts to require a, a little bit of reporting uh, at certain thresholds. So uh, I'm going to try to not go into too crazy much detail because it does get really, really complicated and really uh, boring, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, except for uh, you know legal nerds like myself, so uh, but very important to know. So as a quick <laughs> as a quick aside, um, for those who may have more questions of Andy, we'll have his contact information in the show notes um, for those who need a deeper dive in these issues. Yeah, yeah, because these can take a, a pretty deep dive and are and are generally um, very dependent on individual situations. It's hard to paint a lot of this stuff with a with a broad brush. So, um, but generally speaking, in the city. Anybody who makes a direct campaign expenditure in a city election over $500 in the aggregate, so you could make one that's $1,000, you could make 10 that are $50. If you get over $500 in connection with a city election, you're going to have to uh, go ahead and report those expenditures. You're going to have to report the name of the candidates or the ballot measures uh, that you are supporting. Or opposing, um, and if you accepted money from anybody else, you're going to have to report the contributors uh, that came that uh, where that money came from. So, at issue here uh, with this uh, Citizens for Accountable Austin uh, proposed audit and the Prop K and all of that, uh, the statesman has been talking a lot about this lately. Uh, the Ethics Review Commission recently got into it and they started talking about it. Um, there's a question as to their uh, relative authority to go ahead and uh, investigate this scenario. Uh, they are asking for all kinds of legal opinions from the city attorney. They are uh, really they're just trying to dig into it and see where everybody stands on this because um, there is a an additional requirement on what are called covered transfers in the code. Covered transfers are basically the city's attempt to make sure that a a group, let's say a a 501c4, doesn't take money from a group of people and instead of directly making those campaign expenditures that would otherwise be reportable, that they don't send a bulk of money over to another entity to spend. And the reason that's important is that there is a requirement that you, uh, on any of your political advertising disclaimers, um, besides saying this, you know, it's a political ad by whoever, um, that you also put in your disclaimer, if it's a direct campaign expenditure, you list out the top five contributors to your group in that political advertising disclaimer. So in, an, in what 
seems to be uh, what is what is reported as uh, an attempt to circumvent that requirement. Um, here with uh, with this Prop K group, they're saying that the C4 got all these contrib contributions from people and then went, made one bulk contribution over to the PAC and then the PAC made direct campaign expenditures and only reported the one contributor, which is the C4. And so they, they because that's their you know, top five biggest contributor is only the one. It was the one big, you know, $100,000 that they kicked over and basically was a way to hide, uh, to hide it all the way through. Mm -hmm. So what the question is, is, is this considered a covered transfer? And there's a threefold test to decide whether it's a covered transfer. One, do you designate, request, or suggest that the contribution be used for a direct campaign expenditure? Do you make the contribution? So let's say uh, we're talking about from a C4 to a PAC. So uh, if it, is it going to be a covered transfer from the C4 to the PAC? Yes, if you designate it, request it, or suggest that it be used for these political expenditures. Yeah, that's going to be covered. Um, do you make it in? You make that contribution in response to an ask from the PAC. The PAC, you know, hey, you, we need you to give us money so that we can make a direct campaign expenditure. That's going to be covered. Uh, or, and this is what's probably going to get most people, do you engage in discussions with the PAC um, regarding the making or paying for these political expenditures? Mm -hmm. So um, if the answer to any of those is yes, then you basically have to track it all the way back through and report the original contributors to the C4. And so that's what's really at issue here. Um, the question is, in this instance, uh, for the for this prop K, it has to be on a clearly defined candidate or a clearly defined ballot measure. The problem for most people at this point um, for for this situation is that when it was set up and when the money was moved over, there wasn't a clearly defined proposition on the ballot yet. Okay, and so it may not even apply. The other problem is that the actual penalties here are crazy low and it's about five is it five hundred dollars like five hundred dollars yeah so you know for some groups that want to get involved in it and and you know for some groups that may not care that's a business expense mm -hmm. you know five hundred dollars is i mean it's really the bad pr that you're worried about yeah if, if it you know if, if that pans out right like right now it it's, it's all out. allegations right if yeah it pans out and um just so again, if, you know, suppose that all those allegations were true, you hit, you know, by the time that was found out, this was already in the ballot and it's gone through, most likely gone through. Right. I know Ethics Commission is set to meet October 10th, mm -hmm. which will be next week. Next this week. time today is October 1st. Um, but even then, and they found it, it's still a $500 fine at most, and that's going through after appeal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, and, and Which would happen... After the election, November tenth. Yeah, I mean they'd appeal it, and they'd 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 block it off until mm -hmm. well after the election, and then by then it, the damage is done. Yeah, um, and that's that's really the the well, not damage, it's just it's you know it's or really whatever. Yeah, it passes I mean, right. Yeah. yeah, we're not we're not. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that they did anything wrong or that they didn't do anything wrong. I'm just saying that that what's done, the it, what's, done is, what's done is done. Yeah, um, and that you know. I mean that's the same problem that the state has, and really the, the the federal election commission. It's enforcement powers, and it's the fact that 
there's a long appeal process and you know once you figure out if anything you know uh, good or bad happened out of this it's well after the fact and the election has already been influenced by mm. the, this activity does the city have was the city if you can recall was the city limited to its penalty um, development like I mean, was the five hundred dollars the max the city could do by by state law? Yeah, it's it's the it's the max in state law. Okay, and that's a class is a class C misdemeanor. Yeah. Okay, I think that's what they're generally limited to. Yeah. Okay. Which I mean, you know, class C is like a speeding ticket. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. legitimately it's a speeding ticket. I mean, I think in our one of our prior um, recordings we talked about the lobby laws, and mm-hmm. similarly, I think the max fine on there is five hundred in a class C. Yeah. For for just. If it's found out that you intentionally didn't uh, yeah, file yeah. correctly, yeah, which is a reminder to all our colleagues out there, um, now is the time to do your quarterly filings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we'll be doing ours today. I did want to mention also um, in some of these in some of these codes here, they talk about uh, the difference between express advocacy and electioneering communications, mm-hmm. um, and there is uh, sometimes rightfully, sometimes um, mistakenly a a thought process out there that if you don't talk about a candidate, then it doesn't count and it's not political. Um, in the ad. In so. the ad, in, in, you know, in, in mail, in whatever. If you're not talking directly about the candidate, um, if you're not saying vote for so-and-so, then it's not political. Yeah. Um, and that is, that's the case. Um, that's basically the definition of express advocacy. If you say vote for, re-elect, cast your ballot against, no more funds for whatever, I mean, all that's going to count as express advocacy. And so that's at any time, if you say any of those things, it's going to be presumed that you're making a political, it's political speech, and so you're going to kind of catch yourself in some of these uh, ordinances. But even more so than that, what's called an electioneering communication means that if you, if you say anything within 61 days before an election, which obviously we're in that time frame now, even if you don't say vote for, vote vote against, you know, any of those magic words, but you clearly identify a candidate or clearly identify a ballot measure, it's going to be considered an electioneering communication and you have to go through all these reporting requirements. So just want everybody to know that just because you don't say vote for, vote against doesn't mean you get out of all of this because we're within the 60 days before the election. Mm-hmm. So. Andy, uh, and that's a lot to unpack. I mean, this whole issue with dark money and just, you know, political communication. For folks that may want to know more about it, what's the best way to reach you? What's your email? Sure, yeah, my uh, email is txethics at gmail.com. And uh, my cell phone, if you ever feel like it, is 512-426-4593. Great, and that will be in our show notes with some other links that Andy finds helpful to share. Andy, thank you for your time. And as always, I look forward to having you back on the show. Thanks, appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's BG podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts. Thank you to our sponsor, The Lowy Law Firm. You can find more information about them in the show notes.